Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, I guess this is my extended family since I don't see you guys as often, but we are one church, like Joanna said. And I just have to comment about the check thing. A, a few years ago, I said checks were a thing, and they told me checks were not a thing. So, Joanna, thank you for confirming that they are a thing, even though I'm <laughs> past that. But anyway, it's great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, some of you I haven't seen in a while. Some of you I don't know. So I'm looking forward to meeting some new friends this morning as well as we're here together and gathered. Well, back in 2009, when our team launched a campus down in Sullivan, um, it was an interesting time of our life. It was a busy time of our life. I worked another full-time job, and I figured I would just keep keep working from uh, Monday through Friday at my full-time job, and then I would work on Saturday to get church ready for Sunday, and then Sunday I would work at church. That was my plan. My wife, Lori, and I uh, have six children, and at that point, they were between the ages of 19 and six, and literally involved in about every sport you can imagine. So, we were busy people. We had lots of things going on in our life, lots of activity. And so as we worked through this process, I'm like, we can do this. We're going to launch a church, right? This is a good thing. We should launch a church. This is good. This is healthy. We want to do these kinds of things to help our community and love our community well. So we did that. Now, looking back, our rhythm, my rhythm wasn't great in my life. But, you know, doing good things is good, right? Like, we like to do good things, and we just keep adding them to our list of things and, you know, making a living for my family, launching a new church, and by the way, I farm a few acres too on top of that. So, like, all those things are good things. They're not bad things. They're they're actually uh, good things. And so, I justified it kind of like this. I'm like, these are good things, so this must be okay. And it's working, so it must be all right. And it worked, and and it started. But what I've realized that in my life is that I establish unhealthy rhythms when I add extra stuff and just keep doing those kinds of things and keep adding them to my list of things. They're good things. They're all things that are, are good. They're things that are calling for our attention. They're like, hey, uh, you could take on this. You could do this. And the busyness of life is always there, it seems like. There's always more to be done. There's always things that you can do. And exhaustion is just part of life, right? Like, Maybe some of you uh, are there. Maybe you're feeling it now. You're like, I mean, do you find that to be true in your life? It's just part of life. It's just how we live our lives. And I recently saw this quote I thought was interesting. It says, exhaustion functions like a gateway drug to a whole lot of unintended consequences in our lives. Now, the good news is, though, today we're going to be talking about rest. And we're in this series that we have been in, One Command, Learning to Love. And we want to look at the Ten Commandments kind of through a new covenant lens and a little different lens. I've got to admit, though, I personally have looked at uh, Ten Commandments over the course of my life and thought, oh, this is a list of things and rules. I got to keep these. I got to do these things. I got to do it just like this. I got to work it out and walk through it. And and, and that's kind of how I'd looked at the Ten Commandments. But I realized that, you know, something that happened in me is I realized who I was as a loved son, and I kind of got my identity figured out. I realized that actually my loving Heavenly Father loves me enough to give me a rhythm of life, to actually help me along the way. It's actually a way for me to live a full life. It's not a list of rules you got to follow. It's a list of things that he gives us saying, hey, here's some things you might consider in thinking about your life as you move forward. Because as we walk through this, there's always deeper meanings. I don't know if you found this true, but if you've been in this series, there's this command, and then there's this deeper meaning that's kind of underneath the command that we're like, we want to find that too. Like, we don't just want to look at it and go, oh, that's it. We want to look beneath it to find out what that is. So we're on the fourth command. We're on the command about resting. And the, the command is this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Let's pray together, and we're going to jump into some stuff. 
Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity this morning to look into your word, so thankful for the opportunity to gather, to celebrate together the freedom that we can celebrate in gathering together to worship you. And Father, we want to put you in your rightful place. We want to put you in first place, Lord, this morning as we worship together. Thank you for our blessings that you've given us and what you're going to do through us even today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, you might remember, uh, Daniel kind of launched us into this, we launched the series, and then he had uh, the first command, which was, have no other gods before me. And in that, he challenged us with a question. He said, what are you putting first? And almost instantly, in my brain, I went to busyness. That's the first thing I put in my life when I get really busy. God kind of comes down the list a little bit, right? And my busyness overtakes what's happening in me, and I become extremely busy. But, you know, here's the thing. Rest and busyness are kind of opposed to each other in so many ways. Like, we can be busy, but busyness quickly takes over our lives. And so we've got to be continually thinking through what that looks like. But as we, as we looked at that, as I looked at that and thought about this message, I looked at the Ten Commands, and we want to kind of focus on that for a minute. We found that, I find this in the Ten Commandments, that they are found in two books, actually, in the Old Testament. Maybe you know this already, but just a quick refresher. They're found in Exodus, and they're found in Deuteronomy as well. And they're, uh, Exodus chapter 20 is where I'm going to read from today. And they're actually, verses 2 through 17 are actually the Ten Commandments, but I'm going to focus only on the portion that I'll be talking about this morning, which is verses 8 through 11. But I'd like to read those first before we uh, jump in. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For six, in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart to be holy. This morning, I want to look at three things as we look at that, what that looks like. We'll look at God's plan, God's pattern, and God's provision. God's plan, first of all, you know, we struggle with resting in God's plan. So we know that God has a plan for our lives, but we struggle with resting in it. We're no different, actually, than the Israelites were. Um, they struggled with it, too. They were challenged by it. And this call to rest is a command that is actually the most mentioned and the most detailed that we see in the Old Testament. And it seems like, though, even though that's true, that the Israelites struggle with it as well. Now, we sometimes think, oh, that's then. They weren't quite as busy as we are. I just want to remind you, they didn't have things like power, which some of us have been out of power for a couple days. It doesn't work too well. It's a lot of work, right? They didn't have things like that in their homes, no running water. They had to gather things. They had to take all this time to do this stuff. They were busy people. They had a lot going on. You know, they needed to walk or ride wherever they went. It wasn't just get in the car and start it up and take off. And they actually struggled mindedly to live in this idea of rest. And they often forgot, I would say, maybe failed to remember more than forgot. So what do you think about when you hear the word Sabbath rest or day of rest? What's your thought? Now, it likely depends probably on your history of where you've come from. Maybe were you raised in church, were you not, the religion that you were connected with. But you might think of rules and regulations. I grew up in that kind of thing where I thought it was rules and regulations was kind of what the first thing that went to my mind. Or you could maybe think of it as a good nap. Maybe it's vacation time. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you're going to zone out on your phone with Netflix or Facebook or whatever the thing is that you go to to numb yourself. Maybe that's what it is. 
But what would you do if you had a day of rest? What's your go-to? What's the thing that you would do? Now, some people struggle to rest, and I'm going to just make a quick side note to this. Some people struggle to rest. Some people struggle to, um, can I just say, work hard enough? Like, like, we're actually commanded in Scripture to work hard. Like, that's actually part of the Bible, too. It's not just do nothing. It's actually we're commanded to engage. And so we need to be able to realize the reality that the Bible actually talks about working diligently unto the Lord. So I don't want to just throw that off to the side and say it's not true. Here's the problem. If we do that all the time and we don't have a rhythm in our lives that's healthy, we soon just resort to work, 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 okay? That's not healthy. And so one of the things that as I studied for this and I realized, I'm like, there's so much information available on Sabbath, believe it or not, lots of it. Like the, the Old Testament has lots of it. You can find books about it. You can find lots of interesting information on it. Um, there's actually a book written by Kevin Beckenstead from this campus um, called Rest Cease. I think, yeah, there you go. There's a picture if you're interested in just something you can read, something you can check out. There are definitely lots of different ideas about Sabbath, how long it should be, what should it look like exactly, how should you do, what clothes should you wear or what should you not wear, what should you lift or what should you not lift, what are the different things that are happening. There's some groups that will work on, um, do worship on Saturday, there's some that will do worship on Sunday, there's some people who are like, I can't do between this period of time. There's just, there's lots of rules and regulations and there's, there were serious consequences. So I don't want to lighten that. There were serious consequences in the Old Testament when the Israelites failed to take time to rest. And while these are all interesting conversations and good ones to have, I actually today don't want to go into that because that is a long lot of stuff to go into. I want to focus on a couple of things, mostly on this idea that a God who loves us actually gives us the best possible way to live our lives by having a regular rhythm of rest in our lives that reminds us of him. Not just rest, something that reminds us of him. It's where do we put our focus. And I want to remind you of this, that resting is actually part of learning to love him. Resting is part of actually learning to love God. That's the, that's the truth. And as we take time to do that, we acknowledge who he is and we take time to do that. That's not about laying out rules. It's not about following all those kind of things. It's actually something much deeper than that. It goes way down into us. And although we don't see the commandment given until the book of Exodus, the truth and the reality of this is that we see God resting from the very start of creation. We actually see it in Genesis 2. In Genesis 1, if you remember, you see creation happening and there's the six days creation and all the things that God was creating and all of the work being done. He worked for six days. But then in Genesis 2, we see this right off the bat, and I want to read it. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished the work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Isn't it interesting that creator God found the rhythm to be important right from the very start of creation? right from the very beginning. You know, I read this somewhere, but you know, he could have created, he could have created the world in seven days and taken the eighth day, but he said, no, I'm going to six days and then we're going to take a break and we're going to set it apart as holy. But he declared it as holy. And I want to look at this this morning, that he actually declared the day as holy. And that holy is actually kind of more better, maybe translated a little better as sanctified uh, or set apart or the idea of for a special purpose, not just a day off, but set apart for a special purpose. So secondly, I want to notice God's pattern. 
It was the day set aside that would ultimately show God's faithful provision for us. And in Exodus uh, chapters one through eight, we actually see this in the children of Israel. We see God's faithful provision happening. Verses, uh, chapters one through 18, they were leaving their land of slavery and they were headed to a land of freedom. So they're in the wilderness. That's actually when they got the 10 commandments, if you remember. Um, and they were excited because God had delivered them and they're like, we're headed to a new place. We're out of that place. We're away from our uh, slave masters. And then they started complaining almost immediately. So, you know, not, not much changes, right? We're excited, we're moving forward, and then something happens, and we're like, yeah, I don't like this anymore. We're starting, we begin to complain. But in chapter 16, we see them complaining about their hunger, and God miraculously literally showered them with food. The food comes from heaven, it's laying on the ground. The food goes bad if they gather it more than one day at a time. They have bad food. Remember that story? Some of you are shaking your head yes. If you don't, you can go back and read it. But they gathered it, and it would... For one day at a time, that's all that God would let them do because he said, this is what I want you to do. But then he told them something different. So he told Moses, he said, but tell them this. He said, told, he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow, which would have been the Sabbath, will be a complete day of rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. That would be the Sabbath. So they put aside, they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. This would have spoiled in the past, but this time it was good. Moses said, eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. Couldn't live in obedience for a day. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, and there will be enough for two days. Notice, he tells them to gather in six days. There's enough available for seven days. You see, the manna was God's provision for them, and he was supplying them with an extra day of where they came from. And, you know, even though they went out the seventh day, there wasn't anything there. It was a day set aside to remember God's faithfulness and provision for them as their creator God. Now, they would have come out of a place of slavery, so keep this in mind. You know, the Sabbath wasn't just a day of rest. It was a day when they're setting themselves apart. It was a day of remembering where they'd come from. It was a day set apart to worship. It was a day set apart to do things that would point back to their provider. You know, he was giving them a pattern of, to sustain them. He was giving them a pattern that was life livable that they wouldn't have to work every single day. Now, these people would have come from slavery, so they were work, used to working seven days all the time. They worked, they worked, they worked. And suddenly, God says, you're done with working that much. I'm going to give you a day off. I'm going to give you a day of rest. And so it's really interesting because it actually points them back to freedom. So you see, they worked seven days. That was slavery. They worked six days. That was freedom. So interesting how that points to freedom. It actually points to a place. It's not a rule. It's actually God's provision for them to not have to work on that seventh day. It's actually something good that he gave them. In God's goodness, he was actually reinforcing, enforcing this to them, reinforcing it in their mind every single week, that you are no longer slaves. You are free people. 
and he was encouraging them to rely actually on the provision that he'd already had for them. You know, God hasn't changed much. He's still providing for us. He's still doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we no longer have to live as slaves was the message that every single week he was giving. I believe it's something that he's actually giving to us on a regular basis as well. But kind of going back to them, you know, the thing they did in six days, gathered food, worked for seven. He did for them what they couldn't provide for themselves. And not only was he calling them to a better rhythm of life and rest, he was actually calling them to honor God with their time. He's like, here's the day, honor, set it apart. And then thirdly, I'd like to notice God's provision. You know, how we use our time says a lot about us. Our belief that God is our provider means that we look to him. So, you know, just a brief side to that is like, how I spend my time, if I spend my time on my phone, it's a high value to me. If I spend my time working all the time, work is a high value for me. If I spend my time doing whatever, leisure time, that's a high value for me. Anything that comes ahead of God. But actually, I might be missing God's provision. And God actually wants to provide for us, and he actually wants us to trust him to provide for us. You know, there's so many things in our life that kind of interrupt our rhythm, but actually he's wanting to provide a rhythm of rest for us. And yet many times in my own life, this is what I find to be true. Instead, I find myself thinking, how can I get more done? What's the thing I need to do? How am I going to move this forward? I want to keep up with everyone else. I want to work hard. And actually, in my own life, towards the middle or end of last year, the middle of the year it started and kind of ended at the end of last year, um, I actually found myself unusually tired, just kind of wore out. And I, I sensed inside me that there was always more to be done, more I should be doing. There was this long list of things I should engage in, good things I should start. Um, but my body gave me some physical warning signs, and it's like, you know, this busyness is getting you in trouble. But busyness just doesn't end. It just stays with us, right? It just, it just continues. Like, when you start the list, the list just never ends, right? Can you identify? With, like, some of you are shaking your head. You're like, yeah, that's, like, this is kind of the way busyness happens in our life, right? But for me, I just didn't feel great, and I realized I had slipped into this place of I was always busy, and I just did not have time to rest. I mean, I don't need to rest, right? I mean... Successful people work hard. They push on. They push through. I mean, let's go. Let's work. Let's get this thing done. And I just found myself in this place of like, I, I, I don't want to be a slacker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to be on the lazy end of the work spectrum. So I'll just work a little harder and I'll put in a few more hours and we'll get it done. But for me, what happened was my end, unintended way of working like that began to give me some health issues. And it pushed me back to going, I got to change this. I got to figure out, I'm a pastor. I should know these things, right? But as I began looking for some resources, I found some really good resources. Actually, thankfully, to our local church, the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois, as well as the National Vineyard, we have some resources to help us look through these kind of things. And I looked through tons of information, tons of teachings to help my wife, Lori, and I plan a sabbatical time. Just a side note, I believe this is so true. Resting takes planning. I mean, can you identify with that? Like, it's hard to rest because we're always got something going. But resting takes planning. It takes time for us to set things aside. But we need to plan to be away and have that opportunity to really leave ourselves 
opportunity to look at who God is and to recognize who he is. And, you know, the crazy thing about all that stuff is I had this weird idea in my head. I'm like, oh, we'll just take a few weeks off. We'll take a day off here. We'll do some different things, and that'll be fine. It, it'll, it'll all be good, right? It, it'll, it'll work better than I think. But I actually found it to be far more challenging to practice because five weeks in, we're sitting across the table from one another, and we look at each other, and we're like, something finally feels different in us. We finally feel this deep inner thing that had been kind of salved over by a vacation here or there, or a day off here or there, uh, to try to work through that. But there was something inside us that began to shift and began to change. And it was a refreshment. It wasn't just like taking a good nap. It was way more than that. It comes from the inside. And part of that was just learning to trust God's provision. Like learning that I did not have to be the one to do all these things. Because we are designed to live in rest. That's how we're made. That's how we're created. But I think this is a challenge within me, and I, I would suggest it might be something you're maybe struggling with, is that beneath our challenge to take time to rest, to really do a Sabbath, one of the challenges we have is there's a struggle with unbelief or a struggle with believing that God is really good. Like, will he really take care of me if I don't do the extra things that I need to do? Is it really true that I really need to worship him? Do I really need to set a day, a time off, a time apart? And so we have this belief that we can just work harder, we can take on more, we can do more and more. And we, you know, we kind of value self-made men, right? Or self-made women. We kind of value that in our culture. We're like, hey, self-made. Um, but the truth is, the decision to cease and to set time aside brings us back to this idea. The idea that God was working on with the Israelites that we needed to recognize also is that God is the provider, not me. And in Sabbath rest, there's a note that God's doing what we cannot do for ourselves when we do that. There's a time, an opportunity for us to go, he's planning us. He's pointing us towards the future. He's saying, you can live in rest, not just for a time. You can live in rest. And he's really pointing us to a time when there won't be any striving anymore. You know, it's more than a Sunday afternoon at nap. And I kind of made a little list here of what Sabbath is not. But, you know, Sabbath is not doing more. Sabbath is actually pausing and being still. Sabbath is not trusting my provision. Sabbath is actually trusting God's provision. Sabbath is not worshiping my work. It's actually worshiping Jesus. Sabbath is not me first. Sabbath is actually God first. Those are some of the things, yeah, those are some of the things that God has kind of as we look at those things, it helps us to redirect our attention, put them back to the right place. And, you know, this is the kind of rest that's deep rest, rest that we can live in, not just experience every once in a while. Actually, in Hebrews 4, if you want to read in the New Testament, it's a nice uh, chunk there, but it, it'll take you some time to read through it. But it talk, he talks about this rest that we can have and the promise that we will experience God's rest when we believe in him. Like, we have the opportunity to experience his rest. When we trust Jesus, who ultimately is the provision, we are promised rest. We don't have to struggle and work because Jesus paid it all. Jesus has already done what we could not do for ourselves. His work is finished. And this fourth command actually points to the time when there's no more striving, but there's actually rest forever. In fact, our God actually is giving us the rhythm of how to do this from the very start of creation. He's actually reminding us of pointing us future 
to that. He's pointing us to a place of eternal rest ongoing. You see, God resting at creation wasn't because he was tired, but rather it was a way of him setting rhythm in our lives, giving us a sense of rhythm. You know, our good God, who just like a good father with his children, has good plans for us. He doesn't set them out to be heavy-handed. He doesn't set them out because he wants to control us, because he wants us to recognize his provision, what he has for us. You see, God rested himself at the beginning. He took time away. He worked for six days really hard, and he set apart a seventh day. And we see that several times throughout Scripture. I found as I was looking through this some interesting information that I thought was helpful. You know, we look at God's supernatural provision for us, and I don't know, maybe you're a Chick-fil-A fan, maybe you're not. I am a Chick-fil-A fan. Um, They're only open six days a week, so if you drove in on the seventh day, you probably were grieved because you couldn't find any chicken. But, um, you know, 15% of the fast food restaurant income across the industry is on a Sunday, 15%. So it would stand to write that they should lose 15%, like when they compare to other businesses, right? But they're willing to give that up. That's what I thought until I did a little bit of searching, and this is the truth. So their closest competitor who is open seven days a week, Chick-fil-A is open six days a week. Chick-fil-A almost doubles the per store revenue of a restaurant that's open seven days a week. Isn't that kind of cool? It's just kind of God's provision, right? God's provision. Now, you know, I just thought that was an interesting side note as I look through it. I'm like, huh, interesting what God does in us, right? When we don't rest, we actually miss out on the blessings I believe that God has for us. You know, we want to work harder. We want to do more. Um, but he actually has blessings. He's, he's like, here they are. I want to give these to you. They're here for you. It's not like he's going to come down on you hard when you don't. He's just like, here's a blessing for you. Do you want this? And he's the opportunity is there. Our good God is jealous for our love. He wants our love. And the way we show him love, rest is part of that. Part of us resting is showing, yes, you're provider God. I trust you. I know that you will provide for us. And our good God is jealous for our love. You know, learning to rest is actually learning to love God. That's part of, part of the process. It builds our trust in God. And actually healthy relationships, most of you know this, have a healthy degree of trust. And our trust in him builds as we recognize his provision for us. We're strengthened and we're invited to be in this place of rest, setting aside work for a time. And the rhythm of life that he's laid out for us is not one of hurry, busy, rush, keep moving, keep going. But it's one where he says there's a healthy rhythm of work and there's a healthy rhythm of a day set aside. There's a healthy thing that happens in us. And God's design from the very beginning actually included rest for us. You know, we acknowledge him on a regular basis and we take time for him and we get to live a life with less stress when we do it. I found it true in my life and I think that's something as we look through different parts of our life, we're like, oh man, if I could just find time. You know, in a world that's full of distractions and interruptions, it's so easy to get caught up in busyness. It it just is. It's something that's there. And there's actually a busyness epidemic that's running through the world right now probably runs through all the time, I would suspect. And, you know, we can always almost find, almost always find one more good thing to do. And we justify it sort of like I did. It's a good thing. So we just justify it as a good thing. We don't want to be left out, right? It's, it's God's plan for us. We want, to, we, want to, we want this to happen. 
But actually, when we get distracted, I believe what those are is distractions. We get distracted from God's best plan for our lives, and we want to do it ourselves. And then we begin to focus on me. And remember, the day was set apart to focus on him, right? But when we get busy, we lose that opportunity to focus on him. I've told people that so many times, and yet in my own life, what I've found to be true is it's so easy to go right there. Like, busy, busy, let's go, let's get it done. And, you know, pastors are no different than anyone else. In fact, we might be worse than other people of doing these kinds of things. We just get busy, right? It's an easy thing to do. So for myself, as I was looking through this, I'm like, okay, we know these things are challenging. We know that we've set out a plan that God has for us that we should be following, and we, we want to work our way through what he's doing. We want to acknowledge his provision for us in our lives. And I found this in my own life to be true on sabbatical, particularly I was reminded of it again. Super simple little thing to do, and uh, kind of embarrassingly, it's hard for me sometimes to do it. But the simple practice of pausing to literally be still. Literally taking time at the very beginning of the day to be still. To breathe in deeply, to remember who my creator is, and to remember that he is my provider. When I pause, I recognize that right off the bat, right? And then secondly, is this thing of being thankful. Like, so I pause, I'm still, I'm like, yes, Lord, you are my provider. And then I move to a place of thankfulness, and I'm, like, I, 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 I'm thankful for what God's doing in my life. And I remember to tell him that. But for myself, that's what starts me into a good rhythm. And what I start with at the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the day, it's usually where I go. It's usually what I remember, and it's usually where I head. So when we recognize God's plan for rest and we live in his pattern of rest, we actually experience the provision that he has for us. I mentioned this idea of it, planning takes time. And it's actually a challenge for us to take the time aside to plan that for us. And for some of us, there's different things that we do. You know, some of us, a few minutes here or there, it's an hour. We have to start somewhere. I want to encourage you this morning, start somewhere. Start you're like, well, you're here this morning, so this is your start, right? You're in church, that's a start. I want to encourage you to start moving towards that place of like a rhythm of rest, a healthy rhythm of rest in your life, a healthy rhythm that reminds you, who is my creator? Who is my provider? Oh, yeah. And then I can worship him and be grateful and thankful for what he's done. This morning, I want to take a few minutes as we begin and start thinking about worship. I want to take a few minutes to do this with you. It's just to pause. And we're going to pause enough for a few seconds. It's going to seem like a long time, but it'll only be a few seconds. Long enough for you to breathe in slowly, breathe out, you know, about three times, probably 30 seconds or so. That's going to be our time to pause. We're just going to pause and we're going to think, remember who he is, okay? And then we're going to go to a time of worship with song and we're going to be thankful for who he is, all right? So we're going to pause together right now. Take a deep breath, just close your eyes. Don't, you know, just pause. Breathe in, take a deep breath.
Father, we're grateful for your provision in our life. Thank you that you laid out for us. Lord, you give us a plan, and from the very start, from the very beginning, that pointed us to a time when we would rest completely in you. And so, Father, thank you for the opportunity to rest. And even this morning, Father, thank you for your blessings and your reminders to us that you have a pattern in our life that is healthy and a rhythm for us that is good. And you are a good God who loves us, who cares for us, who points us back to you all the time. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. As we go to a time of worship together, we're going to worship you because you're worthy of everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.